I'm back, baby. Oh, my double crap. Do you know who I am? No, but maybe if you hum a few bars. Yes, sir, random kid I just met. You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee. I am the low rating that cancels your program. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Don't be jealous because I'm attractive. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious. Let me laugh even harder. It's time to check the link. I like that. I didn't do anything wrong because I can't do anything wrong. Hooray! People are paying attention to me. It's all in sports. Game on, everyone. It's Jake Seeley, as always. It is all in sports, as always. You know me. That's why you're listening to this podcast. Just in case you came in from my guest, follow me at Kid. Also, if you're not yet a subscriber to The Athletic, which I'm not sure why you wouldn't be, because that's where you check the link. That's where you get my rankings. If you go there, if you go to theathletic.com front slash all in sports, you get 30% off for a year. So make sure you're doing that. Also, Speaking of those type of things, if you go to patreon.com front slash all in sports, that's where you get the extra shows per month by myself, Joe Pizapia, Chris Meany, where we do a video for you per month. You get the black book if you sign up for the highest level, all sorts of good things over there. So go check that out. Support us. You can even give us a little input of ideas of shows you might us might want us to do and all sorts of good things. But today's show, talking fantasy football, a lot to get into for those still surviving and maybe some tidbits or actually there will be some tidbits for you guys playing dfs so make sure you keep tuning in i'll be back as always tomorrow and then thursday for this podcast again with james co and another special guest but make sure you are following today's guest gary thorne at gary thorne and before i list out the litany of things you can follow his work and do things with i'm gonna let you do that gary because it's so much easier and then i don't have to try and remember everything that's yeah that works uh it's efficient so you can find my writing at DraftKings playbook uh right now i'm doing a lot of the primetime showdown slates for DraftKings. so on thursdays and sundays and the upcoming saturday games because uh, the nfl never sleeps as you, yes. you know jim uh also doing some basketball work over there on saturdays and thursdays and if you want to listen to me and your co-worker over the athletic david ganos's podcast fantasy on five that is now down to once a week on well, we record Wednesday nights, so we post on Thursday mornings. So if you want to check that out, uh, doing some fantasy football stuff there, but probably going to dip into baseball and basketball as we start to get away from the fantasy football season. So those are pretty much the big two at this point. What were those other two things you talk about? I don't know. I don't understand. Yeah, I know. It's 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 going to be a real <laughs> culture shock for a lot of people in uh, three weeks. I've had two people ask me to do mocks, like. Sure. I, don't talk to me till January about baseball. I don't have time for this. Yeah, I know. I, I don't. I, there's been mornings I've gotten up and I'm starting to think about maybe doing like at least my top 25 or my top 50. And then it's just like, nah, I, I got to worry about this Monday night game or something along those lines. So it's, it's, it's not something I'm going to dive into until January. Yeah, no, the only thing I'm diving into is I'm doing the top 90 outfielders for the Black Book, Joe Pizzapia's Black Book. And <laughs> Even some of those was like, good God, I can't believe I have to talk about these people. I thought I was done talking about them. Well, winter meetings aren't even over. Like, half these guys are going to, well, not half, but four, five, six, seven of these guys are going to change teams by the time January rolls around. It's just not right. worth it in yet. Uh, that's what I'm looking at with some of them, too. I'm like, free agent, free agent, free agent. Well, what am I going to say with, I don't know where Pollock's going to land. I mean, that, not that it matters because he's only playing half the games anyway. But let's talk fantasy football because that's what you're here for. Uh, these past two wonderful games that we've seen because they were both the primetime games, Sunday night football, Monday night football, I, 
I guess, do we take anything from either one of these games? I know you said, surprisingly, you enjoyed Monday Night Football a little bit, but let's go to Sunday Night Football first. Is this now that, are we back to the point where, because I'm sure you remember this, Gary, and at the beginning of the season, it was to the point where we're like, oh my God, I don't want somebody facing the Bears. I'll consider benching my quarterback facing the Bears. I'll consider benching blank starting the After what they did to the Rams, is it the cold weather factor you're going to factor in there? Is it the fact that they held back early and Jared Goff doesn't still look like a quarterback that can handle it if the running game's not going? Are you putting any weight into that game one way or another? I think so. Um, you know, I, I think um, Football Outsiders tweeted out after that game, it was the greatest graded defensive performance in the history of their statistic uh, for a single game by a defense. Um, you know, like you said, it's, it's, it's always a bit more of a tie-breaking situation for me. Like, I'm, I, at a certain level of stud, I'm not willing to bench. But I guess the big question this week uh, is obviously going to be, do you play Aaron Rodgers? Like, I'm not sitting Devontae Adams. I'm not going to probably sit Aaron Jones. I, I feel like there's not a lot of situations where you can find yourself doing that. Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I could probably find a quarterback I'd rather play than Aaron Rodgers. Like, I wasn't even all that invested in Aaron Rodgers last week when it was, you know, narrative week, when it was, oh, he's going to be unleashed. How could he not possibly throw for four touchdowns against the Falcons? Well, he hasn't done it all season long. I, I, I just don't really know what's going on right now in that Green Bay offense. As a Dolphins fan, I can tell you that Joe Philbin is not the answer to any question <laughs> involving how do we make no, no. this defense better. G- Gary, the, the, answer, the, the question that he's the answer to is how do you burn your challenges as fast as possible? I, I couldn't believe that happened as quickly as it did, but it, it really was one of my – you know, it's, it's almost like you're sitting on an island for five years talking to yourself and you think you're crazy and then you realize – Oh, no, no, I was right about this. Joe Philbin is a terrible coach, and now everyone can be reminded just how awful Joe Philbin was. But, uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> it was, I'm it was that, and then it was the Jamal Williams use. It was like we were sitting there yeah. like, oh, my God, are we really doing this? Is this really happening? Again, and, and I guess, you know, I, I sort of threw Aaron Jones' name out there randomly, but I, I, right. I would probably think he's someone who's concretely in the top 30 at running back for next week, but – yeah, I, I would probably try to find another direction to go than Aaron Rodgers at this point. You're really good with stats. So off the top of your head, do you know how many games that Aaron Rodgers has thrown for three touchdowns? Three? Uh, this season, I'm going to say twice. Yep. And yeah. strangely enough, one of them was week one against Chicago at home. I'm not, put, I'm not throwing out for that like a counter argument because I'm with you. I'm still exceptionally hesitant about starting Aaron Rodgers this week and go in Chicago with the way that defense is playing. And granted, that was also the first week of the season. This wasn't like the Khalil Mack Browns or Browns Bears defense where, you know, you just saw what happened. I'm with you. I think you can possibly find better options. It's always tough, though. It's like you sit there with that kind of decision. You're like, all right, do I bench Aaron Rodgers? And uh, I'm trying to think of somebody in that range. Hey, on the other side of the ball, there there's a good one for you. Would you start Aaron Rodgers or would you start Trubisky if it was your team with their fantasy championship on the well, not on the line because it's next week, but your playoff stakes? In that situation, I'd probably start Rodgers. Um, I know Mitch does give you a nice little five, six point floor with his rushing ability, but I, I think I would need something, maybe not overwhelming. Overwhelming is probably the wrong word, but you know, if I was presented with like a Dak, I feel like. I would probably just go Dak in that circumstance. Uh, if I was presented with, I think even Baker. Baker's probably like 
about as low as I'm willing. At Denver to on Saturday. Mm. Yeah. It's on Saturday night too. Cold weather. I don't know. It's, it's close. Look, I'm not. I'm not saying it's not. Here's close. one. I got one for you. How about Lamar Jackson at home against Tampa Bay? No, see that one I can't do. I get. I get that it's a fantastic matchup, but even the fact that Harbaugh wouldn't definitively come out and say that Flacco wasn't his starter this week leads me to believe that. I don't know. I'm. I'm Fantasy football is already enough of an issue where we have to worry about running back by committees that stretch into like three or four different players. When you start having to worry about a quarterback by committee, I'm probably just not going to invest in that situation. That's fair. All right. So I got one more for you. And you know where it's going because I I put them all on the list to talk about. Are you starting Aaron Rodgers or the leading rusher for the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen? Home against Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really tough. Um, I think I might start Josh Allen. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm look to be to be perfectly honest. I sat Tom Brady last week to start Josh Allen, and I feel like once you've done that, anything of a similar archetype, which this would be, yeah, just start Josh Allen. I mean, this is I think his his over under for rushing yards last week is a prop bet was 40 I saw it at 40 and a half I saw it at 43 and a half and he broke both those overs in the first <laughs> drive of the game for Buffalo. Um so you're already looking at somebody who's I mean really if you're in a four point touchdown league his rushing ability is already going to get you two passing touchdowns. Right. So you got that set in stone as you've mentioned and we talked about on Pat's podcast since Detroit made the trade for Damon Harrison, their pass rush just hasn't been the same. And if you have slow-footed pass rushers attacking Josh Allen, you have to feel like he's going to have another good running game. I, I would. I guess there's always the caveat. Like I know some people play in crazy interception leagues where you're you're penalized, like minus four. Yeah, minus three. I, I know there's a guy who I watch the games with at the bar on Sundays. He plays in a league that penalizes you if that interception happens to turn into a pick six. Like, in any sort of major negative sense, probably don't start Josh Allen. But personally, from a fantasy perspective, I don't mind a guy who runs to the sideline instead of throwing it out of bounds, just chucks it 50 yards. Like, that just raises his ceiling. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Josh Allen over Aaron Rodgers. Hooray. <laughs> Hooray. Uh, real quick, speaking of that, because there are waivers, and I know there's people out there, and you'll have to make your decision possibly before we know LaShawn McCoy. It wouldn't be surprised if McCoy is just out altogether at this point of his career and the injuries. And the, But in any case, that's a sidebar. Assuming he's out, I even said in my waiver column, Gary, and I said, Chris Ivory, eh, even though he's the lead running back, He's actually not the lead running back. Josh Allen is the lead running back. And to talk about what you just said, as I, I have said many times about Damon Harrison, I don't want Chris Har- Chris Ivory. I don't want him running up the gut against Harrison because he's not going to get much. I, if I need running back help, I'm probably looking elsewhere this week. Are you excited at all by Chris Ivory if there is no LaShawn McCoy? No, not really. I mean, Buffalo already is a team not exactly racking up the – red zone possessions per game. So, I mean, Ivory is is touchdown or bust if there ever was a touchdown or bust player. And then, as you mentioned, you've not only got to circumnavigate the fact that he's probably not going to have a lot of opportunities in a vacuum, but outside of that vacuum, Josh Allen is probably their first rushing option yeah. at the goal line. Heck, like, 
you know, this is one of those flashy, trendy sort of things in the NFL right now, but it's something you kind of have to take a little bit seriously. Isaiah McKenzie is going to get like five carries per game on jet sweeps. He he had as many carries as Marcus Murphy did. Yeah, so you're really just chipping away at something that was already like the size of a pebble. So, no, I... I really don't think I want to invest in uh, in Chris Ivory uh, for next week. Here's one I'm going to go back to, and this was last night's game. If you somehow are still surviving with this quarterback, is there any chance, and they're facing your team, so this is a really good tell for everybody out there, you're starting Kirk Cousins if you somehow survive with Kirk Cousins going against the Dolphins this week? Probably. Um, <laughs> well, wait, wait. Is that you said that was such disgust in your voice? Was that more of a testament to the Dolphins' defense or the fact that Kirk Cousins? Hey, it was just a bad game in Seattle. Probably more of the latter. I. It's just one of the. I'm almost as you said. I, I love stats so much. I sometimes become like a slave to them. Um, they're just so pass oriented. It, it's just hard to ignore him in that sense. I mean. This is a team that going into last night had thrown the ball, I think, 70% of their offensive plays their prior three weeks. It's just hard to ignore a quarterback who puts up that level of volume. And, you know, I know, obviously, he's not Tom Brady, but the way Brady picked apart that defense, I mean, you look at their end-of-game point total. They scored 33 points in that game. That's after missing an extra point. That's after missing a short 40-yard field goal. That's with Tom Brady – you know, getting sacked with no timeouts left at the end of the half. Like, the Patriots could have scored 50 points in that contest. That At no point was the Dolphin defense really posing much of a threat. And I would say, too, if Xavier Howard's not going to play in that game, that makes me like Kirk Cousins even more. So I think you trust those two wide receivers. You trust the fact that teams have been able to move the ball against the Dolphins. And you probably plug your nose and play Kirk Cousins one more time. So here's some stats for you. So not percentage-wise, but just number of passing plays per game. Minnesota's third. Do you know who number one and number two is? Uh, let's see. Passing plays per game. The Colts are probably pretty high on that list. Yeah, good, good. Yep, they're number two, 41.2. The, the, the Vikings are 40.3, by the way. There's one team, number one, 43.1. Let's see. Um, Should be able to get this if you think about it. Yeah. Let's see. Falcons? No. I'll give you one more guess. You don't get three strikes on my show. Falcons okay. are number five. In fact, good guess. Falcons are number five. I'll even give you number four. Four is Tampa Bay. Oh, that makes sense. Come on. Think of oh, it. Come on. Oh, Pittsburgh. Yep. Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah. Not only is it 43.1, you want to talk about their last three? 47 pass attempts per game, their last three. Yeah, well, I know going into yesterday, uh, Cousins ranked second in the NFL in dropbacks and pass attempts, and Roethlisberger was obviously first, and it was a wide margin, like 50 attempts, something insane <laughs> like that that Roethlisberger has in the field right now. Um, yeah, it's, that's, that's nutty. But I, I guess considering you know, you're down to your third-string running back, maybe I don't blame him too much. But No, I don't. Yeah, you know, let's talk about that real quick. Let's, let's say that James Conner doesn't play this week. Or did you see enough to say that Jalen Samuels is a solid RB2 that you trust? And I'm saying trust. Trust this week because while it wasn't a lot, because we're talking about how many times they're passing, and they're not going to stop passing, at least he was the bulk of the carries, and at least he saw work in the passing game. Yeah, I I think that that really is the stabilizing force. Like I I saw enough in regard to what he did in the passing game. And and really, you know, let's – 
let's kind of peel back some of the layers of the narrative here. Like if, if we had gone into week 14 and you or I had been able to tell people with definity that Jalen Samuels was going to play 80% of the Steelers offensive snaps, you know, we might've ranked him higher. Right. You know, like that's a massive number. That's not a number that we see a lot. That's David Johnson level of snap volume, essentially. Um, you know, he, he did see, a carry inside the 10. Yes, I know that Ridley ended up scoring the touchdown. But like you said, there was pass, there was pass game volume. It's, that's clearly something that's within his skill set. That's like, you know, I've dismissed one-game samples in the past, but that's like when Josh Adams runs 24 routes. And you're like, that's just not what Josh Adams is. I'm sure that was a strange game script. This is what Jalen Samuels is. There's a reason that on Pro Football Focus, he's still listed as a tight end. Like, he's a very, very good pass-catching player and route running players. So when I see seven targets, I don't think that's an aberration. I think that's probably going to be something that's relatively set in stone. So especially against the Patriots team where you can probably get yourself into the mindset that the Patriots are going to get up in this game. They're probably going to force the Steelers to play from behind. I think some, I I know two weeks ago, it it might've changed slightly, but two weeks ago, the opponent pass ratio against the Patriots was the third highest in the NFL. I don't think that's changed, especially considering they played the Vikings in that span uh, over the last two weeks. So, you know, like you said, Ben's probably going to drop back and throw 50 times. I think you can pretty safely assume Jalen Samuels is going to be on the receiving end of seven, eight, nine of those opportunities. So I'm, I'm perfectly right. confident he's going to be too. Here's a, here's a question for you because, of course, I, I try to defend as much as I, I get – in people's faces because people, you know how they are. They get triggered. I love to troll the trolls on Twitter. But if you ever come after one of my followers, I always like to defend them too. I actually blocked somebody over last night over coming after one of my followers. I am nice at times, Gary, surprisingly enough. Know. But the people. yeah, so somebody asked me and they're like, man, I'm going to lose my game because I started Kittle over Samuels at tight end. And obviously this is, you know, there's nothing we can do with that at this point. But I came back and I said, well, it sounds like to me because he still had 16 points in PPR, that being Samuels, it sounds like you had other problems. Like Kittle's not fixing that. By, like, yes, that game could have helped you, but if 16 points at your tight end spot, it wasn't enough, you had other problems. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, and yeah. Of, so, of course, somebody jumps in the conversation. And it's like, I can't believe you bench Kittle. You never bench Kittle. And I was like, did you not see the last three games where he hasn't scored or got over 70 yards or the fact that Nick Mullins has been all over the place? You're telling me, to your point, 80% of the work, you're getting a running back that's guaranteed 15 touches. You're not starting a running back with 15 guaranteed touches over most tight ends, not named like Kelsey and Ertz. Because we had this conversation, as you mentioned, on Pat's show. And the person's like, no way. Kittle's just so amazing. Would you have started Samuels over Kittle last week? Just out of curiosity. Um, so I can say, because we did have this conversation, and uh, again, I, I didn't know that Samuels was going to get 80% of the work, and that was kind of where the mystery came in, and I asked myself, who are the tight ends that I now definitively have in that upper echelon? So Pat and I actually argued that particular name. I said I wouldn't start him over Kittle. Pat said he would start him over Kittle. But again, that's it's all semantics. To your point, if I told you beforehand you're guaranteed to get 15 touches from Samuels and 80% of the snaps, are you starting? 100% would have started Samuels. And that's, yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. Like, this is all semantics. It's, it's, all, right. it's all just theory. And I don't think anyone's wrong in any sense for who they started there. I mean, it, it's really just a matter of, you know, do you consider Kittle to be up in that Ertz echelon? And while I didn't, I just wasn't sure of what sort of workload that Samuels was going to get. But, yeah, 
let's let's even just take away the rushing attempts. Like if if you told anybody, hey, tight end X is going to get seven catches for sixty four yards this week, would you take that over your current starting tight end? That's basically <laughs> George Kittle production most weeks. That's why we love George Kittle. Is it's it's pretty set in stone that that's going to happen. I mean, that alone is a top ten tight end on any given week. So right. Yeah, I, I think that it, it's – look, it's still fun. Like, I, I, I personally kind of love the fact that you can start him at tight end and we, we have to have these sorts of conversations. <laughs> but, yeah, look, I, I, you're right. If, if, if you can't win with 16 points from your tight end, something else went something, wrong. Yeah, something else went wrong. Or you played Derrick Henry or something like that. Like, the, you know, there are, other, there are other factors that go into uh, wins and losses on every given week. Have you seen any lineups where people have had Derrick Henry and Amari Cooper both in the same team this year? Like this uh, week, I should say this past was, week. There's- there was one guy, I'm trying to remember who it was. Maybe it was just a beat writer. I can't remember who he was, though, or what, what outlet he worked for. But he was going up against uh, Cooper, Kittle, and Henry in yeah, the same quit. lineup. <laughs> just, yeah, at that point, like I think the projected point total for the other guy was 300 points. Um, <laughs> look, I'm not saying we, we, we can't predict the future, but uh, I personally didn't have Nick Mullins throwing for more combined yardage in two consecutive games than any quarterback since Joe Montana. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's on me. I, I'd like to apologize to everyone right now for not guessing uh, that Nick Mullins was the second coming of Joe Montana. Well, that's insane because I thought – so we have the Athletic League and my boss – actually has them and he scored 226 points because he had Roethlisberger, Chubb, Cooper, Henry, Woods, Edelman, Gronk, Mack, and the Seahawks defense. So everybody scored wow. double digits and everybody went banana. 226 points. I thought that was the biggest thing I was going to say. He beat the other person by over 100 points. Imagine imagine being in your quarterfinal playoff matchup and not having to worry about the fact that your quarterback left the game at the end of the second quarter. <laughs> oh yeah, that's fine. That's that's cool. I've already got my points. How about, how about this? How about being on the other side of me and like, yeah, I have Aaron Rodgers, Christian McCaffrey, Devontae Adams, and the Giants defense. I have a great start to my day. Oh, wait. I'm getting obliterated by four players. That's – oh, that's tough. That's it, I guess I guess at least you knew Thursday. As soon as, you know, Derek – Derek Henry, you were likely behind the able. Yeah. This is, this is probably not going to be my week. That's when you just like start throwing like the Zay Jones of the world in your lineup and then watching him do nothing. So it's just yeah. frustrating as anything. Yeah. All right, I, I want to talk to you about a specific running back because you and I, speaking of Pat, both argued with him that you can start him and you can use him. And I'm sure you saw my text because as soon as he found the end zone, I yep. texted you both and said, Doug Martin scored for the third straight game. Doug Martin also has at least six point something or points in the every single game since Lynch has left. He's got at least 60 rushing yards or a touchdown. Is Doug yeah. Martin in your lineup in week 15? I think he probably has to be. I mean, again, we, we talk about someone like Chris Ivory. And just even the fact we can have a conversation with some level of seriousness about thinking, if, is Chris Ivory like a flex consideration this week if he's starting for the Bills? That obviously means that tier of running back, that grouping of running back that is, you know, touchdown or bust they are in play this week. And I would say that Doug Martin has to now be considered one of the upper echelon running backs of that grouping. I mean, he's got 13 red zone carries the last two weeks. That's, that's Todd Gurley first three weeks of the season level production 
inside the red zone. Like it's just such high leverage work that it's hard to ignore. And, you know, maybe this still changes as, as the running backs they continue to bring in sort of get acclimatized to the offense. But, you know, his, his role didn't change last week. You know, there was, there was worry that whether it be because of roster influence or because of injury influence, that he wasn't going to have that carved out role that he's seen or we've seen the last couple of weeks still had 16 touches. It was 17 touches, I think, but 16 carries uh, still had all the goal line work. As I mentioned, uh, still was playing roughly 50% of the snaps. He just, he's a set commodity right now. And there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having a set commodity uh, at running back, especially if you've, only got to use them as you know a flex or as your RB two, but yeah, there's 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 certainly no reason I can think of where you can't play Doug Martin at this point. Um, it's it's a crazy world we live in. So yeah, roll out your Josh Allen Doug Martin lineups and uh, send Jake and I pictures of your fantasy. <laughs> uh, here's here's one for you. Here's a fancy like this is completely off the board. This is a this is a situational league question for you. So here we go, flex leagues. You know what those are, Gary. Yes. Um, here we got a situation where I just found out I got a text like right now. This is live for everybody. This is live action here happening for everybody. <laughs> Breaking news. Uh, apparently flex non PPR was misseeded by the site and I didn't notice. I was just, you know, I assume that these sites can take care of things and I don't have to monitor every damn thing, but apparently not. So the three seed ended up playing the five seed and the four seed ended up playing the six seed instead of three versus six and four versus five as it should be. Well, Four and six, the difference was a half of a point for a loss. If four and six switch and play four, five, and three, six, six doesn't advance, they get knocked out, and four does, whereas it's the other way around if they don't. So can you change after the fact since it was just brought up, or is it too late now? That's a tough one. Yeah, because I can see the argument for both sides there. Yeah, I mean, I guess – I guess the thing you could say because it's fantasy football and you know, there like there are circumstances like we just talked about where if, if someone puts up a big Thursday night performance, you might change your philosophy on, you know, a flex play or a wide receiver three or running back two to go to shoot for higher ceiling. But generally speaking, you're not playing the other guy you know, their lineup specifically. You're just setting your best possible lineup. So Part of me is thinking nothing really changes in how you prepare for a week, given who your opponent is. So to actually switch them back to what they should have been would make sense. But I also think you can't, you know, you can't take away a guy's win. Exactly. It's like, Um, because you know what, as much as we say that there are people out there who do ignore that and do look at the other opponent's lineup and do set it even though it's yeah. not the smart thing to do I, I it's you know this we get these questions all the time i had one last week where somebody said that uh i'm going up against blah blah and i was thinking of benching Allen robinson for and it was like a wide receiver five and he's like because he's got this quarterback I'm like no yeah. like that, that, you don't do that yeah I think you probably just have to let it let what happened happen. But that's that's interesting. I've I've never even thought about that happening. I can see why you you assumed it wouldn't. Um, yeah, that's yeah. tough. I, I well, would. I'd probably say you just have to stick with what happened. But so here's the good news. I'm gonna tell you, we do stick with what happened. You know why? Because in ours, uh, the top two scores in the first round advance. We don't do matchups until the second round. Oh, that's interesting. I, I, I like saved that nugget. 
Okay. Yeah. So there you go. So everybody should do that. I like that. I don't know. I mean, I think so. What are your thoughts on that in general? The first round of the playoffs being the top two scores, not the matchups. It's interesting. Because again, I, I think a lot of the time we think about this stuff so logically. And I, the, the one thing I love about fantasy football more than anything else is it is this weird competitive thing you can do with your friends. So I would say it, it all depends on your league setup. I think that your way is the most fair way to do it like if 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 you want justified fantasy football that no one can poke holes in anybody's championship because really it was always the best of the best and and I you know in in a similar vein I really do like the concept of making your final wild card team just be the highest point total from the yep. entire season have that in all my leagues I can do it in yep like I, I think that's a great way to do that but at the end of the day, one, like the thing I enjoy most, especially when I am playing with friends, is the head-to-head nature of fantasy football. Right. Is, so I could see it just coming down to preference. But yeah, like I, I think like your way is the most fair way. And I would actually, I've never played in a league like that. I think I'd like to get into well, the mo- Well, to your point, the most fair way is to just do that all the way through. First and yeah. second round being the top yeah, two really. scores. So it's kind of like that mix of what you're saying is where the first round, okay, it's the top two scores. Everybody hates losing to the six seed that has Derrick Henry go off. But you still have the matchups in the semifinal. To, so it's not just one final game where it's head to head. So, all right, let's go back to some of these players. We have another running back situation and that wonderful AFC East of yours there where now we have Elijah McGuire stepping forward, which I feel like, Gary, I don't know if he's been in every waiver column this year or I, I kind of just feel like, hey, look, Elijah McGuire, he's down there. Don't forget this guy because he's kind of like Tariq Cohen if anything were to happen and things have happened and he's being like, ah, okay, he's fun as a flex. Now we have the potential where he could lead this backfield. Are you in on Elijah Aguirre as an RB2 to start for Week 15? Yeah, I think so. Uh, like you said, at the very least, he's not a one-dimensional play like the guy he's taking over for. Uh, Elijah Aguirre is going to be involved in the passing game. As we saw last week, it seems like the Jets can, can feel some level of comfort in giving him more than 15 carries in a game. So that's already a really, really high floor. Um, like, I, I think at this point, I would rather play Elijah McGuire than Doug Martin. Not to take anything away from Doug Martin, but I just I know that Elijah McGuire is going to have that passing game element in his, you know, game script. Um, now, I think Trenton Cannon is going to be involved. Um, I would say Elijah McGuire probably somewhere in the realm of 60 to 65% of the snaps next week if, if Isaiah Crowell can't go. So, um, yeah, but you're just... You know, he's, he's like you said, he's a guy that we've all been aware of all season long, sort of waiting for um, the opportunity to arise. He's basically the, the best version of if, if you've been holding on to like Donta Foreman all year long, a lot, what's happening with Elijah McGuire is what you wish was happening with Donta Foreman. Because uh, they've basically been the same guy where you're just, you know, always writing their name towards the end of a waiver wire column, reminding people that they're alive and they'll be back at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's hard to dispute that he's definitely going to have a big role in this offense. All right. Well, here's one that you might be able to dispute. And this is a fun one because this is the one that, you know, there's the contingent out there. I, a long time ago was a giant Kenneth Dixon fan and I cooled quite a bit, not because of Kenneth Dixon himself, but after the 15th injury and this backfield having 15 options, I was like, you know what? It, it's great and all, but is it ever going to happen? Eh, I don't know. 
But now we have, great, you know, Gus Edwards has been dealing with the ankle injury for two, three weeks now. We have the injury during the game. We have other – and all this comes out, and we finally have Kenneth Dixon leading the way. Ty Montgomery was still involved, but we also have John Harbaugh saying he's deserving of more touches. Is it Kenneth Dixon time, Garyan? Probably not. So <laughs> when, if we're doing the rankings within the rankings, uh, I, I'd again, I'd go Elijah McGuire, Doug Martin, and then Dixon after those two. I mean, it's weird that these things are all interconnected, but again, we have to kind of go back to the elephant in the room that is Joe Flacco. Like, you know, if you look at this team and their offensive philosophy under the direction of Lamar Jackson, they are a very specific type of team. They've run the ball 61.2% of the time across their last three games. That's not going to happen if Flacco is involved even in, you know, a minor capacity in this game. And again, I have no idea how that's... Are we going to get Steve Spurrier? Is that what's going to happen? We're going to like interchanging quarterbacks by drives? Like, there's, there's, a, there's a world where... This is like freshman version of Tim Tebow where he just comes in at the goal line. <laughs> this time it's he comes in the goal line to actually throw the football. It's like, oh, no, we need to actually fit in a throw. Um, so <laughs> if, 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 if Lamar Jackson comes in and jump passes at the goal line, I am tagging you immediately. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'd love to see it. So I, I hope that happens. But, um, you know, you just – I would say to Harbaugh's credit, and this is something like Belichick has kind of struggled with the last couple of years with his just stable of capable running backs. You do want to have a guy who's not so just not such an obvious tell. Like if Gus Edwards is in the backfield, you know, they're well, either they're running the football or that linebacker you have assigned to Gus Edwards doesn't have to cover Gus Edwards. Cause he's not right. going to get pass. And you know where they're trying to run it initially is just straight up the middle. Exactly, where, you know, if Ty Montgomery's in the game, you're really tipping your hand that you're going to be throwing the ball. So at least Dixon has a little bit of both elements in his game. He's, he's a happy medium between those two guys, and he, he looked relatively effective last week. I don't want to take anything away from him. That Baltimore offensive line has also been very good so far this season, but there's just so many variables. I, I just don't think – because if Gus Edwards is active, I, I think we've gotten to the point where, sure, his snap count – definitely went down well I mean not just this week but last week too although as you mentioned a lot of that is injury derived um you know if he's active he's probably still gonna get like 12 13 carries so if we're talking about a team that's not gonna run the ball on 60 percent of their offensive plays and he's still getting 12 now you're probably looking at like 10 to 12 touches for Dixon too tossing a couple targets for Montgomery yeah I just I, I feel like you could probably find better in a week where all 30 teams are playing. Yeah. You know, speaking of which, I just realized, you know what Sunday Night Football next week is? Next week? Yeah. Or next I mean next week, like this week. This week, next week. Oh, it's, uh, isn't it Seattle again? It's, uh, no, it's the Eagles and the Rams. I feel like the Eagles have been on prime time like 15 times this year. Every, every NFC East team. Every <laughs> I know. I'm a Giants fan. I don't want to watch them in prime time. I, again, like I mentioned, on DraftKings, I write the Thursday and, and Monday night articles, and it seems like those are the ones the Giants and the Redskins always play in because, you know, those are kind of the worst primetime prime games. But It is. I'm looking right now. Since week 10, this will now be their third primetime game already. Wow. I, I, I remember specifically with the Giants, they had a Thursday night game. No, they had a Monday night game against uh, 
the 49ers, which was just everyone's favorite game. <laughs> then they had a bye week, and then they came back into another primetime. Yes, game. it was the Monday night, I think. Wow, what is happening? But, yeah, they, uh, a lot of NFCs. But, I don't know, that's, that's, I can't really blame uh, NBC for thinking that Eagles-Rams was going to be a good game in Week 15. But, eh, kind of a swing and a miss again, so we'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, it potentially could be if the Rams come out and play like they did last week. But, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe not. But I'm, I'm looking right now. Actually, there wasn't any at the beginning of the season, it looks like. It looks like it's just the fact that Dallas has been there a bunch of times in the past couple of weeks, and it's the, I think that's what it was. It's just three times in the past five weeks is what makes it feel that way. Because, all right, Giants-Dallas was week two, Sunday night football. I'm all the way back to week one, Gary, and, yep, that was actually the only three games they've had in prime time have all been within the last five weeks for Philadelphia. That's why it feels that way. Okay, so that Eagles-Giants game was five weeks ago then? I guess so. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, right. and, well, they had the uh, they had the Thursday nighter to open the season too, but that's oh yeah, that's true. All right. Sidebarring about primetime football aside, one more running back in this whole stable of what are we doing with Spencer Ware banged up with it being Thursday night football. Now, granted, he didn't practice yesterday. Being this is today, we're, t- we're doing this show on Tuesday. It sounds like Spencer Ware's supposed to play anyway. Assuming he is out there, your thoughts on Damian Williams. If he isn't out there, your thoughts on Damian Williams. If he's not out there, I think we have to consider Damian Williams just through sheer opportunity and offensive potency as an RB2. Um, Now, I will say, coming into last week's game, um, which I'm going to look this up because it's it's almost one of those anomalies that – you can't really put too much thought. Actually, no, it wasn't even that big. So Kansas City was just not involving their running backs in the passing game at all the prior five weeks to week 14. Now, in week 14, they threw the ball to their running backs 18% of the time, which is still below the league average. So while it seemed like Damian Williams was hyper-involved in that game because he caught important passes, uh, still wasn't a ton of volume being directed towards the running backs. And this happens a lot when, you know, your tight end commands a 35% share of your offense. Um, but the five weeks prior to last week, they had only been targeting their running backs 8% of the time, which was easily the lowest margin in the league. So, you know, where Spencer Ware and Damian Williams can be very good pass catching running backs. And obviously if you play an even a half point PPR league, something that would give you a lot of value. Um, the chiefs just don't seem to want to do that. There's, you know, Patrick Mahomes is obviously the inverse of CJ, CJ Beathard for a lot of reasons, but that one is also very crystal clear is he is, he's willing to get vertical with the ball as opposed to chucking it down to his, his sort of uh, safety valves in the offense. Um, so if, if both are active, I, I just don't think there's a way you can play Damian Williams. I, I think best case scenario, he probably sees something like 40 to 45% of the, the snap share might get two or three targets, might get two or three carries, but obviously that's not enough. And, and there's just too much mystery surrounding it. Um, but yeah, if, if, if he's not playing, I think kind of just in the way we all got enamored with Spencer Ware. And, and I guess we, we learned that we were a little bit wrong about that, but at the end of the day, it was still a running back who in that game against Oakland played 70% of the snaps, ran 23 routes out of the backfield had a goal line carry out of the Wildcat. Like, you know, there was more than enough opportunity. So I I think anyone who's the definitive starting guy there would have to be considered an RB2. But even in that scenario, Chark West probably comes in and, you know, plays 30% of the snaps. So um, it's it's a little... 
or yeah. Daryl. Have we heard of the Dur- Does he like the Daryl or the Durrell that we know? I, I don't know for certain. I don't. Like uh, the Terrell and the Terrell. You just never know with those. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm bad. You'd think for someone with a stupid name, I'd be better with stupid names, but... Yeah, is it Gary in or Gary on? <laughs> I get a lot of Gary on, which is how it's... I mean, it's how it's spelt, so I don't blame people, but uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's Durrell or not. Yeah, well, all right. Let's talk wide receivers because we got to get a few. We'll kind of like turn these out kind of quickly. Dante Pettis, how excited are you picking up? Because the big question, a legitimate question we had similar to you. I mean, the Nick Mullins insane game aside two weeks in a row, as you mentioned, there was still the concern of, all right, Godwin is, or Goodwin is finally back. So is it going to be Goodwin because he was the number one before or has Mullins developed so much of a rapport with Pettis that he sticks with Pettis? So we saw the answer. It was Pettis. And in fact, Bourne had more targets than Goodwin did. But here's the sidebar question of it is it's not just are you excited for Pettis? Guess what's on the schedule this week? The Seattle slot corner situation where, uh uh-oh, that's one of the worst matchups you could possibly face, where Pettis splits his snaps 50%. Taiwan Taylor was in the slot 50% of the time last week, too. So where are you going with this? Because this could could be a game changer either way you look at it. Yeah, I, I think where his ceiling is, it, it makes me lean to the side of liking Pettis a lot. And, and like you said, the big question this week was how would his snap share be affected by the return of Marquise Goodwin? Because, you know, it, it was weird how it happened. It sort of seemed like he and Pierre Garçon went down at similar times. Uh, Garçon went down one week earlier. I mean, Goodwin wasn't hurt. He, went, he left the team for personal reasons, but... And we saw Kendrick Bourne step in as sort of the faux Pierre Garçon. And then when Goodwin leaves, we assume that Pettis is going to take over in that capacity. And he has a similar skill set, too. This is someone in the preseason who was, you know, basically his route tree was run straight as fast as you can. And it worked a couple times in the preseason. This this is a second-round pick for a reason. He's got some skills. Um, But I would say it was the, the most interesting thing to watch for me was I think Kyle Shanahan sort of tipped his hand a couple weeks back when it came to how he was going to be utilizing his roster for the rest of the season. And I remember it was the famous game where Matthew Barry was very, very upset on Twitter because he had like <laughs> Alfred Morris and needed three points on Monday night and didn't get it. Uh, but he basically just phased out all the old guys on his team and decided that he wanted to see what the kids could bring to the table. And that was the uh, Richie James Jr. was involved in that game. Like Hendrick Bourne had a bunch of targets in that contest. So the, the weird variable here, though, was Marquise Goodwin's not that old. Like Marquise Goodwin's still right. a young player. So I wasn't 100% sure he was just going to put him out to pasture. You know, he was, wasn't going to old yeller him like he has with Pierre Garçon. And that's justifiable, but apparently – you know, this was even brought up to him post game. Like, hey, you realize you didn't play anyone over the age of 30, basically. And he was like, yeah, you know, sort of happens. So I, I think he's very much of the mindset right now where he wants to see what he has in Dante Pettis. His snap share went from, I think, 92% only down to 84%. So he's still going to be heavily involved in this offense. And you always just have to assume they're going to be playing from behind because they're probably going to be playing from behind. So, uh, yeah, I, I kind of like Pettis this week. I think I saw what I needed to see. Uh, last week in terms of like his stability and you know he always brings the ceiling so once you have that those two factors uh, I think he's a pretty strong fantasy player all right well this next one I'm just letting you know when you're on this show Gary and you have to call him Bay Sean okay just okay. so you know 
because uh, I said this through three straight years, it's a, there's been a Penn State wide receiver that's been underrated when coming out of the draft. It's Allen Robinson, it was Chris Godwin, and now we're seeing the effects of that. And now it's Bayshawn Hamilton. And the biggest thing, and I, I, this isn't like a self backpack, and I want to explain it because I explained it in the waiver column, but just in case people haven't paid for the, the athletic and don't want to see this, I said the reason he could have an impact this year is because he plays the slot and he's one of the best, if not the best, slot wide receivers in this draft class. And if you look at this team, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, outside wide receivers, where's the opportunity? In the slot, Quentin Sutton doesn't play the slot. Now, I didn't expect Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders to both be gone for different reasons, but all that being said, this past week, where my concern was, hey, guess what? Sutton's got a tough matchup. I like Hamilton out of the slot. I think that continues going forward because guess what? Sutton's going to be treated as the number one. And granted, he has number one ability, but right now as a rookie, he's not equipped to handle it, in my opinion, where that opens up Hamilton. Here's the best part about it, Gary. And you know who had the most snaps? You know who missed only two snaps for the entire game? Was Hamilton. In fact, Cortland Sutton was third behind Patrick in snaps. So... All that being said, I made the case for Hamilton. You just tell me whether you agree or disagree. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I, I will say, uh, just when it comes to the raw snaps, I know that uh, Sutton did leave that game for, I think, an entire quarter with an injury. He ended up coming right, back. Right, to be fair, yeah. Um, and that, you know, because Hamilton is so definitively going to be the slot-wide receiver, that that injury didn't affect his snap share, I would say, but it probably affected you know the level of volume uh, we saw, but who's left, you know, really who's left. As you mentioned, they traded Demarius Emmanuel's out for the season, even Hireman, like who was getting a, a decent level of target. It, it now seems like it was, it wasn't just, Hey, I want to throw to my tight ends. It was, I want to throw to Jeff Hireman. He's getting open because, you know, Lacoste hasn't been involved at all the last two games. Um, so yeah, I would say nine targets, probably a bit of an aberration, but you know, there, there's no reason to not think of this guy the way everyone was gushing over, like, Kiki three weeks ago. Like, right. he's the definitive number two wide receiver in this offense. He's going to see something along the lines of six to eight targets per game. It's perfectly fine. Perfectly viable in a PPR setting. Okay. All right. Here's the next one. This is another kind of a volume type of play. D.D. Westbrook. The Jaguars wide receivers feel like your Dolphins wide receivers the entire yeah. year. It's like, it's just, oh God, trying to pick one of them out. And then as soon as you're ready to buy in, it stops. Like, I feel like we're about to buy into Kenny Stills because it's the connection with Ryan Tannehill and it's happening. And then this is going to be the week where Devontae Parker has his game. We're same thing. But I will say the one thing with Cody Kessler at quarterback, he does like D.D. Westbrook. Yeah. Um, look, I, I think that, there's probably not a lot of situations where I think you have to play a Jaguars wide receiver. Um, so picking the best one is, is not necessarily a necessity, but yeah, it's probably Didi. His numbers are so similar in terms of just season long target share with, with Moncrief. But like you said, we kind of have to look at recency bias when it comes to a team that just swapped out their quarterback and their offensive coordinator. It was complete garbage time, so there's there's a lot of real iffy factors at play here. But yeah, if I had to start one, <laughs> you're right. I'm I'm probably starting. Well, all right, then let, let me rephrase the question because it's you're it's so reluctant to do so. Is there any chance you want to start Westbrook or Stills in Week 15? I'd probably prefer to start stills. Um, but even that, like 
it's funny. You're going to hear, like you said, you're going to hear a lot about like this relationship that he has with Ryan Tannehill now and, and about how, you know, these two have always had a thing for each other and all, blah, 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 blah. And people are going to conveniently ignore that when Stills really had his breakout two seasons back, it coincided exactly when with Matt Moore stepped in and right. Ryan Tannehill got injured. Like, it, it, it hasn't been Tannehill and Stills. Uh, so it's, it's, it's interesting the revisionist history we're always going to play when it kind of feeds the narrative that we've all come up with. But, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably rather play Stills just in the sense that I, I think the Dolphins are eight-point underdogs uh, against Minnesota this week. They're probably going to have to throw the ball quite a bit. Uh, I, I don't think Minnesota's a team that you can run the ball effectively against. So from a volume standpoint – and I, I, I would even say from a skills standpoint, I, I don't know, I'd, I would have Kenny Stills above D.D. Westbrook. But again, I'm not, I'm not itching to play any of them. But I would say Stills <laughs> at least probably has like flex consideration. You know, like, please, no. And, like, the good news is it sounds like Trey Wayans could miss the game too. So now you're just down to uh, Xavier Rose, which should, you know. I, I, I would he assume- even left the game for a, for a couple series yesterday. Like he's, he's clearly not 100%. Yeah, so to all that point. All right. Um, last two before we get out of here, Randall Cobb. I mean, look, we've had our opportunities for everybody else. You and I both know that Equinemia St. Brown is just some dude with its athletic. Uh, we had Marquez Valdez Scantling who teased us and that failed enormously after a few weeks, but Randall Cobb, despite looking like he could be Aaron Rodgers' number two option, we're back to the conversation we had at the top of the show, Gary, and he gets the bears this week. Yeah. And, and that's really the one that makes you worry a little bit. Like you look at the snap shares in the last couple of weeks, it's, it's pretty, um, you know, gets 80% of the snaps against the Cardinals comes back and follows it up with 67 against Atlanta. And you could probably argue that towards the end of that game, he just, you know, it was a blowout. They didn't want to play their veteran who's been injured all season long. So that's nice. Um, and I can understand always, you know, sort of wanting to exploit, the secondary wide receiver in the Green Bay offense, blah, blah, blah. But it's not really that season, and it's the hardest matchup you could possibly draw. Now, I will say that this one in particular is one you should probably watch as the week develops because Bryce Callahan, who's been amazing so far this season as the Bears slot corner, uh, just targeted on only 12% of the routes he's covered so far this season. And it's not some small sample either. It's 440 routes, at least it was, entering Sunday night football he's been amazing but he left that game and did not come back so if Bryce Callahan can't play I'm a little bit more inclined to attack the backup in that situation with Randall Cobb but again there's a lot of things that kind of have to fall into place before I'm really getting excited to play Randall Cobb Speaking of getting right, uh, real quick before we get to the last player, if you want to get excited <laughs> breaking news while we're doing this the Chargers are not optimistic on Gordon or Eckler so Justin Jackson and Des Trez Newman, everybody. Des, I can't, well, I can't say his name without saying the extra Z. Detrez New, Newsom. I always want to put a second Z in there. I want to say Des Trez, as you can tell. Anyway. That's, that's a cool name. Des Trez? Des Trez. I kind of like it. I like it better than Detrez. Well, it reminds me of uh, Montrez Harrell. So any, that's my oh. favorite name in sports. So Montrez Harrell. Anytime we can talk about him, I'm, I'm cool with it. Is he the one that, like, there was, like, the extra letter that doesn't look like it belongs? Yeah, his name, if you pronounced it uh, phonetically, would be Montrezl. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I, that's what I thought. Yeah, I never understood that. <laughs> yeah, right. it, it's like a Snoop Dogg named a kid in 1994. 
That's fair. That's true. All right. Last one. And I'll admit to the person that asked me and where I said, I don't want to trust him because he's a rookie tight end. Look, you know, these things happen. I was not expecting Cam Newton to target Ian Thomas more than anybody with the way that DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel have been emerging. Granted, both of them still saw eight targets, but Ian Thomas led the way. Ian Thomas was seeing red zone targets. Ian Thomas had a really good game for what is a rookie tight end in this offense. And also talking about Cam Newton, who doesn't throw a ton of balls to begin with. So I had my hesitancies. And, you know, I tell you, if you want to go super boomer bust and understand that his floor was a zero, I had no problem with it. I just wasn't ready to do it for the first week of my playoffs. After seeing the usage and after seeing what happened, are you buying it? Like, are you just going to go Ian Thomas? Are you going to go Ian Thomas over a CJ Uzuma who is just like, eh, so what? He's got a safe floor. I don't care because there's no ceiling. Like, is, is that something you would do? Yeah, because uh, I think we could probably see a pretty similar script as to what we saw this week uh, for the Panthers where, you know, I, I would say I'd put my money on the Saints scoring a lot of points in that game. Uh, it's a Panthers defense that has not looked good. They've looked better at home, obviously, and the Saints don't quite play to the level they play in the Superdome. But, you know, Cam probably going to have to pass 35-plus times in this game. And, you know, I think part and parcel to Ian Thomas getting so many opportunities in that particular game was Cam just doesn't seem healthy. Like, his shoulder doesn't seem right. And we know Cam, you know, not, not ever the most accurate quarterback in the world. His true value is that he's got a ton of arm strength. And he's not usually modest about how he exploits particular wide receivers route trees. But if you look at his dot for this week, uh, 45 passes just over seven yards, barely squeaking out over seven yards of average depth of target. And, and we're talking, you know, he's with the Jeff Driscoll's and the Josh Johnson's of the world in terms of how deep he was throwing passes Maybe it's just that he and Thomas is standing at a distance he actually feels comfortable throwing. Um, so I, I don't think that, you know, again, like now that Gronk's kind of alive, it seems like there's, there's probably at least a grouping of like seven or eight tight ends that I, I feel pretty confident about. But there's still probably people out there looking for someone to stream on a week-to-week basis. And if your options are CJ and Ian Thomas, I, I think I'd go Ian Thomas. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah, at that point, when you're talking about this position, and you know this, we talk about it all the time. And I've been saying it for years. You score a touchdown as a tight end, you're probably a tight end one. You could catch one yard, one pass, and go a touchdown, and boom, tight end one. So you might as well shoot for the upside. Uh, Garyan, once again, tell everybody where to follow you, where to get your work, where to listen to you, all the good stuff, including we'll be on the Pat Mayo Show tonight talking rankings. Yeah, we will. Uh, so, yeah, just follow the DK Live app. Uh, you can get some updates that I write and uh, some news pushes and all that kind of good stuff there. Uh, DK Playbook, I'm writing up showdown slates, uh, full slate NBA, full slate NFL, stuff like that. And if you want to listen to the podcast, myself and David Ganos, also of The Athletic, uh, we do that once a week over at the Five Reasons Sports Network, but you can check that out on iTunes and Stitcher and all those good places. So uh, that's Fantasy on Five. Thanks as always. And if yeah, if there's anybody that could ever stump the Schwab, I feel like Garen could do it. The, the stats just come off the top of his head like crazy. So make sure you give him a follow and a listen. It's a good, it's a good person for your source of information. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk again. Yeah, we will. Thanks for having me, Jake. Once again, that was Gary and Thorne, the DraftKings, and so many other things, as you could tell. Uh, like I said, give him give him a follow. He's a really great one, great insight, great knowledge, numbers off the top of his head like crazy. I'll be back tomorrow. 
Patreon show with Joe Pizapia and Chris Meany. I'll be back Thursday, as always, for Co Knows and another special guest. And then back the next week after that, and then the week after that is Christmas. Probably doing a little something special for Christmas. We'll see, uh, you know, holidays and stuff. You're probably going to be traveling in your car anyway, so you don't want too much. It's week 17 at that point. You shouldn't be playing unless it's DFS, and that's why I still have DFS information for you guys. But I've rambled on long enough. The show needs to end. I'll see you next show. Have a good one.